Hey, really good friends. This podcast contains adult content and language. Listen with care. Hello! And welcome to Historically Really Good Friends, a queer history podcast. I'm Rachel Craig. And I'm Jared Femblow. And happy Pride! Happy Pride! It's June. The gays are upon us. They've they've arrived. They've left their cocoons. Right, their little gay holes, as I refer to it a few (laughs) (laughs) weeks ago. So I've never been to a Pride festival, a Pride parade. But I've moved somewhere where they have a lot of Pride events throughout the month. Mm-hmm. Like it's just throughout the year, there's a lot of community events. So I'm very excited for June this year to actually get out and do some more community events, participate in some community festivals. Yeah. Like How about you? What's, what, do you, what do you got going on this month? I've got so much going on this month. I have a lot planned. I There's a lot of queer events happening. Mm-hmm. In LA, there's Synespia, which is movie. It's like a movie showing, a movie screening in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Ooh, um, and they oh. show, yeah, they you buy tickets and they have this like giant field that everyone just like, goes and sits out on like blankets. Is it an actual cemetery? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, interesting. It's an actual cemetery. A lot of famous people are buried there, which I don't know if that is controversial, but it's. Um, yeah, but okay. Yeah, but but it's a fun time, and and they have like a yeah. movie projected onto this like giant wall in oh, the cemetery, cool. and it's like outside, and there's like a bunch of people, and people dress nice. up dependent on on um like what movie is playing, and so there are a bunch of options. But me and some friends are going to go to that later in June. I'm going to be driving up to San Francisco for the Pride mm. Parade. I have oh, cool. been to a few uh, Pride parades in my time. How about in San Francisco specifically? Or this your first San Francisco Pride? No. So I went to San Francisco a few years ago with a group of friends, like pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. We drove up from college just for like the weekend. Mm-hmm. And so we drove up from LA. It was like a six hour drive. We stayed at one of our friends' house up there. We went both days and then drove home after the second day and I drove the entire way and it was absolutely crazy but it was so much fun and we got to like explore San Francisco and just kind of see the city and it was really nice the first pride parade though that I ever went to was in New York City Mm -hmm. and I went with my mom which was a really fun experience because I was still in high school yeah I feel like I remember seeing pictures of you there but I was not I was not there yeah, that's okay. It's fine. It was it was still a really fun experience and that's just That's really cool. While I do have some issues with pride in general mm-hmm. and like the parade in general, right, which we may even talk about today. It, it is still <laughs> a fun event and something that is like a good experience especially for a queer person to to have. So, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm going to go to to pride later this month, which will be really exciting. Sounds cool. Yeah, I think it's like more of like a fun event now and hopefully people, you know, stay safe and everything too. But I think it's more, it maybe has moved away from like its its origins, but it definitely seems like a a really just like fun, enjoyable time, which everyone 
Like yeah. it's, it's it's a cool summer party for like not Coachella people, which I am not. I'm not either. Although I don't love like the big crowds of mm. Pride. I don't love like sifting my way through a bunch of people yeah. to go like stand up against something just to watch like people walk down a road. Right. But I love the <laughs> idea of Pride and like I love the the community feel of it and just like mm-hmm. kind of like you were saying the events that happen around the month of of pride and and you know yeah i am definitely going to have to like be on the lookout for more stuff around new jersey and the new york area and we'll maybe share some stuff throughout the month too if there's any like events happening that come up for us we'll be sure to share them i know i talk about later today some some specific um places that if they are in your area gotta check them out but yeah very this is my first I guess my first like June, maybe I'll say that I'm more intentionally in tuned with some of the things that are going on related to like queer history and queer activism and like, like LGBTQ plus rights and all the craziness that's going on. So, um, I think I'm, I'm more appreciative and, and just like more aware this year and, and we'll be sure to, to take part in all those things with that more critical lens yeah absolutely this you know june is every june is pride month so mm-hmm. it, it comes around every single year but mm-hmm. just a lot of shit is happening like right before right, right. up to and you know it's going to be happening during this month i can only assume with politics so <laughs> it's a very yeah. uh <laughs> it's a very daunting time of you know everything happening all at once right now mm-hmm. yeah but i think that's even What's great about the month is that, you know, the background might be these really awful, terrifying legislative challenges happening, but I think it's an ideal time for people to be more visible and, and to really feel like they can be loud and Mm -hmm. be active in their communities at a time when we need to be pushing back against some of those those more challenging things so absolutely pride exists all year but i think being (laughs) being able to have the time and the space to to honor that is going to be really hopefully impactful in opposing some of the things that are going right especially this year especially now yeah 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 you know why pride is in june right um i don't know specifically i mean i know like a lot of events related to like queer liberation i'll say and like lgbtq rights and like the civil rights movement happened in june specifically mm-hmm. stonewall yeah that's it is that it okay yeah okay. that's and it. Then it, so- it other things ended up happening like i know the obergefell v hodges same-sex marriage decision was also in june right 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 yeah june so they say that the first pride parade was the stonewall riots and obviously it's not the same thing as like we're saying the pride parades today because (laughs) you know stonewall was very anti-police and really anti-establishment so right definitely stonewall was more a riot than a 
right. than a parade. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Hence, yeah. Henceforth, Stonewall riots. Right. Um, right. But because it happened towards the end of June, we kind of mark and celebrate the the, the anniversary of what we call, mm-hmm. you know, the start of queer liberation, even though mm-hmm. queer liberation has been happening for quite a while. This was kind of the catalyst for right. a lot of major events. So that's kind of why we celebrate pride in june every year kind of just to reflect on those on those moments in history that really changed a lot for a lot of queer people in the community definitely i think that that's thank you for kind of underscoring everything with that too because i think many people maybe don't know why pride was in june like i said i didn't fully know that that was the specific reason but yeah Mm -hmm. like taking a moment to think about maybe some of the things we've talked about or other things you know of that like we're just we're part of the drops in the bucket that led to Stonewall and then everything that kind of came after too and and why we celebrate what we do in June or and how we celebrate and things like that. And on that note, let's celebrate Pride Month with some fun stories. Okay, so let's get into it for our first episode of June. And our 17th episode overall, I guess. Wild stuff. Wild. So wild. Absolutely. I'm going to be talking to you today about rainbow washing. And I am very eager to to talk about this topic. And some of our listeners may know about it. Jared, I think you know a little bit about the topic. Mm -hmm. But maybe some people don't. And hopefully you learn a little bit from this. This is just like a a little overview, something to consider. Something something to consider and also something to like really look out for during mm-hmm. the month of June because it is going to be everywhere. And I think once you know about it, you're not going to be able to like unsee it. Yeah, especially, you know, you probably are already seeing these things mm-hmm. as we're like on the first day of June now. So let's kind of talk about it a little bit more. Yeah. The sources that I used for this week include a Mike article by AJ Dellinger. Proud of Pride or Rainbow Washing by Kate Hardcastle for Forbes, The Colorful History and Precarious Future of Rainbow Washing by Dylan Maitinen, Beware of Brands that Love Queer People's Dollars More Than Queer People by Elazar Sontag for Eater, and Don't Let That Rainbow Logo Fool You by Dawn Ennis for Forbes. So a lot of different sources today because there is like a lot of content out there to really make sure you're reading up on this if Mm -hmm. you're worried about maybe getting caught in the trap. Also, sorry in advance if at any point this gets more ranty than usual. You've kind of like thrown an element of capitalism into this mix and I've I've been waiting for it. That's why I'm eager to talk about it, but might get ranty. (laughs) No, it's a lot. It's a lot and both of us I think are passionate on this topic. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes me angry. Get ranty. Do it. I, All right, I love full it. Full permission. Thank you. I don't I don't really get angry about much, but this I will get angry about. Yeah, so, you should. As we're kind of talking about, now that it's June and Pride Month, you may have noticed that there are quite a few more rainbows around, not just at Pride celebrations, parades, or other festivals intended to celebrate queer history and activism, but also at your local Target or Walmart. Mm-hmm. Seeing all of these rainbow shirts, socks, and even cereals, like colored different Lucky Charms and things like that, can feel good for a second. 
there's representation on display, it seems, and it can feel like your favorite big box store or online brand really cares about being an ally. It can feel like the hard-fought visibility and acceptance people have been calling for is finally here. But when pronoun cookies and colorful Apple Watch bands are in the forefront and the backdrop is aggressive, anti-LGBTQ plus policy and politics, things start to seem a little less authentic. Not the pronoun cookie. So rainbow washing, also referred to as rainbow capitalism or pink washing, is a targeted marketing campaign of performative activism, meaning for one month in June, brands will mass produce signature pride items with catchy slogans or rainbow flags as means of increasing queer consumer engagement without actually giving that much of a shit about queer people. Mm -hmm. So after all, like if you think about it, if you think a company is supportive of your like literal right to exist, you're more likely to, though some of their products are a little cringy, shop at that place as opposed to, say, Chick-fil-A, who is more open about their homophobia. Mm-hmm. As just like consumers, we're all bound to spend money somewhere. And so rainbow washing is essentially the corporate response to pride that attempts to get queer people and allies to spend money at their stores rather than competitors by creating this shallow product display and making temporary logo changes. Mm-hmm. There's some background, there's some history history to this. Probably in like, if you watched Mad Men, like that's really the main thing when people were like, ha we can get all these, we can manipulate all these people to buying our stuff. But right. fast forward a little bit, in the early 90s, queer demographics, specifically gay men and lesbian women, were far more visible and becoming more widely accepted within mainstream society. Soon after, market research teams realized that now that there seemed to be a collective and identifiable queer culture, products could then be sold to people within that culture. Some of this first branding that was done specifically to engage queer communities was by Subaru in 1999. So I guess Subaru, assuming that because Will and Grace was on cable and Ellen recently came out publicly, people were just like cool with queerness now. They released a print ad campaign featuring cars with license plates referring to the famously queer Provincetown, Massachusetts and Xena Warrior Princess. To be fair... Subaru, while this is exactly a form of advertising towards queer people, it is like famous that lesbians love a good Subaru. They love, like they are a big demographic of Subaru drivers. So I think Subaru- Totally, and and it started here. uh Uh-huh. These ads weren't, if you were a straight person looking at them, Mm -hmm. you would not be able to tell that they were- a queer targeted ad but because Mm -hmm. they were like oh we know our demographic is largely gay women we can subtly put these things in there which then made gay women be like oh my god like super we love you so this was kind of like the first example of marketing specifically towards queer people it wasn't definitely as as heinous or devious as it is now. Super at the time wasn't doing like performative allyship. Like they were just doing what companies do. And mm-hmm. that's that's fairly normal. And they do not have a track record of then kind of turning that around to harm, especially lesbian women in any way, which is kind of how things morph a little bit. But so this was in 1999 and 
though this was a time of higher visibility for queer people, it was also a time when evangelical Christians were becoming far more vocal and more influential over American culture and politics. So Subaru says of this original campaign that it was not to be a political statement of support for gay people, but quote, admitting that we were selling cars to gay consumers. So it's just Mm -hmm. like, this is this is the whole thing. So the ad though at the time was not well received in the mainstream and there were some other ads by other brands around the same time. And while this type of targeted advertising did not catch on at the time, it did introduce people to the newest demographic of consumers. Mm. And then by the time Barack Obama became president in 2009 and with the federal acknowledgement of same-sex couples to marry in 2015, companies thought that they could now try their hand at this ad strategy again, now having a lot more success and being far less authentic than Subaru originally was in the 90s. So I know I'm kind of being a cynic, but there's a lot of reason to be with this stuff. So Rainbow washing just generally sucks. It feels icky just on its face and the brief explanation I gave feels manipulative, but it truly becomes a lot more devious with many of the current companies who have the most visible colors of the rainbow also being the most frequent and generous contributors to political campaigns that are expressly anti-LGBTQ+. So for example, AT&T, UPS, Comcast, Home Depot, GE, FedEx, UBS and Verizon all donated at least $1 million to anti-gay politicians in 2018, though they were sporting social media icons that featured rainbows and even marched in some pride parades throughout June. This is all kind of going hand in hand with the fact that the human rights campaign has reported that 2021 was, quote, the worst year in recent history for LGBTQ state legislative attacks. So those legislative attacks, meaning like policy relevant to specific states, are in part funded by those corporations that might be selling you rainbow items or having rainbow icons on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Corporations are profiting off of the celebration and tribute to queer activists and heroes who fought for meaningful representation and equity. And they're not even good products. Like we're talking about the... The, the cookies and it's like right. also the, the clothing, like it's fast fashion, but somehow ugly. Like it's, right. it's, they are then oftentimes taking the profits from all of these just like exclusive merch for June and putting it directly towards politicians and policies that will harm LGBTQ plus populations who are already marginalized and targeted by policy in other ways. Mm-hmm. Queer people are still working on the right to literally exist and breathe air next to cishet people. Trans people of color need to not be murdered. Young queer children deserve to have accurate and supportive education. And throwing a rainbow Twitter icon for 25 days of the year without any other economic support does not progress that goal. Right. And and I know all of this may feel like I'm being dramatic. And if this is your first taste of my rants, I apologize. But... For many people who are not queer, we do not and will not ever understand this reality. It is easy to distance ourselves from harmful and violent actions towards queer communities because we don't experience it and may not see it. We may not understand how taking away queer history or accurate sex ed is harm because we never missed out on those things. We never had to search to see ourselves on TV, at school, in sports. We may never have felt confused, depressed, scared, bullied because of our sexuality or gender. 
You likely never questioned who was safe to talk to about your sexuality or what clothes looked like and felt like on your body. I encourage people when and where you can to try to reduce that distance that is so easy to put on these issues. It is not dramatic to say that this is the reality for many queer people, and you seeing a pride flag at CVS does not change that reality. Though we may not know what those experiences, those challenges are like, we should still listen when our loved ones describe them to us and then go to Lowe's instead of Home Depot when we can. Mm -hmm. And now, don't throw away the pride things that you may already have, especially if it's cute and you spent money on it. Yeah. But we must be more critical of who we're financially supporting in the future. Especially in America, consumers hold a lot of power through purchases, and while corporations will still have the money to support the politicians of their choice, we don't have to make it easy for them. Instead, you can create your own pride stuff with a little DIY, got to get those hands dirty with a hot glue gun. Yeah. Or, and this is like a special shout out, you can visit one of my friend's Instagram pages for some colorful wearable merch and art at prettythingsxmaggie. You can support local businesses or stores that are directly supporting queer communities through employment, education, advocacy, or activism all year round. Mm -hmm. Attend your local pride parade with clothing and merch you already have. I promise it's much better than what they're trying to sell you online. 1,000%. And continue to stay on top of state and federal legislation relating to queer issues and know who is supporting those bills Mm -hmm. in either the state or federal level and then who is supporting the person who's supporting those bills. Right. Remember your buying power when you have the means to do so and use that to support cases and causes that are important to you. In all of this, it's hard because... I want to acknowledge that not everyone has the ability to shop local or wield their buying power in the same way that some more financially privileged people may be able to. Mm -hmm. This is kind of all wrapped up in what's affordable too. And that's okay. That's sort of the, the whole system. That's how this works. And eventually we can work on that. But just being aware of where your money is going is an important first step. So like you might see that really cute top and you might think that it, means representation or that it means the company is maybe donating that money or supporting causes in another way but that might not always be the case right because also the thing is like there are brands and products that have nothing to do with Mm -hmm. the consumer really and so like like why is listerine slapping on a label that's that's pride it's like what gay mouthwash like what is that what is that who is that helping and what is that doing like putting it on toothpaste or like mayo like why is you know Heinz I don't know if they actually do so sorry (laughs) Heinz but like why are they putting like a pride flag on a bottle of ketchup it's like what right what is the what does that do right what does that do other than just being like hey, look at this pride flag. Come buy this from us. Come buy this. What is the intentionality behind the corporations and the companies for presenting their product as something that is helping the queer community when it's like... When it's not. When it has nothing to do with it. It it reminds me of those, the Bic for women pens. Maybe it's not Bic, but like whatever. It was just like pink and had like a softer grip. And it's like, no one's asking for that. Like you didn't, you're not doing anything. You're not progressing anything you are not ending or supporting a cause by like 
just sort of changing the design or logo right. of a product to get people to buy it. And like, right. it's the same thing you were talking about too. One of the images we're going to include on Instagram from a few years ago was a, a BLT, but they added, they added guacamole. So it was LGBT. LGBT <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it's like, is, is guacamole like queer in right. some way? Like what, what, what is, what is that? It's just a sandwich. Like, right. People just eat a BLT anyway. Like, I don't know what's it. That's so strange that you did that. <laughs> it's like, what? seriously, it's, there's like a lack of understanding on the end of the corporation side that them putting a rainbow flag on something mm-hmm. when they then go ahead and maybe it's not even a lack of understanding because then they go ahead and, and easily donate to all of these, right. you know, policies and lawmakers that are horrible for us. But because they're able to rake in the money by slapping you know happy pride taste the rainbow skittles you know like (laughs) like whatever the fuck like they there's it's just like it's a slap like we've done it yeah yeah like we've we did it we've done it stop asking for anything else because we gave you your month we gave you your rainbow flag and it's like it's tone deaf because it's it's not acknowledging the things people are actually asking for. No one is asking for pride flags to be on every different grocery item. Like right. n- that's that doesn't really theoretically help anyone. Like no, that's not it, meaningful representation. That doesn't advance policy. That doesn't support queer people in their everyday lives. And so right. you didn't do anything. <laughs> and especially with companies, it's like, well, what are you doing? internally how are you helping your employees like are you truly then putting the money that you're getting from these pride products and putting it back into your employees and giving them resources are you paying for their health care are you paying for gender affirming surgeries or or you know medication or x y and z it's like you can't have all of these employees that are suffering that are queer because these right. these corporations are huge. There are queer huge. people working there. Yeah, it's just there's n- there's no denying that there's got to be queer people mm-hmm. there. It's like you can't put out these products and then absolutely ignore them and treat your workers like shit. So it's like internally, right. also, what are you doing? How are you helping right. rather than just the consumer? How how are you helping your employees? And that's the thing too of. A lot of people, rightfully so, continue to bring attention to Chick-fil-A's donations and what they spend their money on. Chick-fil-A is very upfront about their shitty causes that they donate to. They're very upfront about their business model being related to religion in some way and how your money may directly be spent in those things. But these companies, it's kind of the same thing. So that outrage is just the corporations find a way to distract from it. Right. By adding a, a pride flag. And it right. it doesn't change the reality that their money may be spent on some really terrible anti-queer, anti-LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. stuff. And so we're going to include, I think on Instagram, some places that if you want like some cute pride stuff, you can definitely check out. I think we're going to include some, some bars and breweries you can visit and order some things from as well. Because people should still, you know, be able to enjoy the month and if they want to rep some cute stuff just find be able to find sources that are more supportive and so i do hope that everyone enjoys june despite daddy capitalism's (laughs) chokehold and remember that queer history queer stories queer existence do not begin and end in june no not at all and first off 
great introduction to rainbow washing. Thanks. I had to cut myself off. No, I get it. It's such it's a topic that you can go on forever about. Also, we live in a capitalistic society. You're going to be spending money no matter Mm -hmm. what, you know, like just because Listerine is slapping on a rainbow flag and we know that. You know, maybe you can Listerine still buy is, it. Right. You can still There's buy no it. There's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Buy what no. you got to buy, girlfriend. Exactly. But just know about the companies. Know who mm-hmm. is doing what. Especially when it comes to like pride parades. That's another big thing. Pride started as anti-establishment. And now right. basically all our pride <laughs> parades are are like advertising you know, it's like it's like yes. advertisement for companies to like have a float in right. the pride parade, and then it's like a moving throw, commercial, right? And like <laughs> throw like rainbow beads at people. It's like mm-hmm. what is what is that actually doing? Like the whole point of pride was that we're against the system and we're against people that are oppressing us, and these corporations quite literally are the people that are right oppressing us. Right, the oppressors have co-opted the entire like month the entire system right. and so that's why you'll see like a lot of movements for like no companies or like no you know large corporations at mm-hmm. pride no cops at pride it's like right. all of these things that we were fighting against in the beginning have taken over pride because right. we live in a capitalistic society where everything because just we live in a back society because we live in a society <laughs> and so it's like we have to be conscious and aware Mm -hmm. of all of these factors and what we're going towards and and what we're fighting for and what we're giving our money to it's like we just just be aware of what's going on be aware that these companies are targeting queer people in specifically this month and the rest of the year most of these companies couldn't give a shit about us so be aware be knowledgeable just just see it coming and and be able to make informed decisions right yeah have fun like Truly, I mean, I think it's important to be aware. Mm -hmm. And I think you also, sometimes it becomes consuming, right? So like, you know, there are, I am a person who will like get drunk and then tell all my friends why everything we're buying or engaging in is bad. And like, it's like, like take that awareness with you when you can and when you're able to, and like still enjoy what, what, pride is right now and yeah. and feel that sense of community and and be able to gather safely with your friends and and wear some cute things and and celebrate in that way but know that you know corporations probably don't have your best interest at heart that's just across the board <laughs> most likely not yeah but great topic great story thanks Thank for you. thanks for bringing this to everyone's attention yeah thanks for listening thanks for letting me uh, have a little soapbox moment of course, and I'm about to have mine, so whoop, whoop. let's do it. Okay, so this week I'm going to be talking about the reclamation of the word queer. And this is something that I've been meaning to do for a hot second. This yeah, was 17 episodes in, we're going to maybe do finally. something we should have done up front. <laughs> yeah, because there are a lot of, there's a big debate over the word queer, and it's something that we use a lot, and something that some of our listeners don't fully understand why. Yeah. But I think it's just, it's it's an important topic, there's a lot to it, so let's just get into it. All right. The sources that I use this week are the entry for the word queer in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Tracing the History of the Word Queer by Jake Hall, the Wikipedia page for the word queer, 
The Conversation Surrounding the Word Queer is Evolving by Abilasha Mandel. Is Queer Okay to Say? Here's Why We Use It by Corey Collins. A Former Slur is Reclaimed and Listeners Have Mixed Feelings by Juliette Rochelot. The Power of Reclaiming Controversial Terms from Dictionary.com. Queer as Myth by Skylar J. Andrews. And What's in a Word? Queer by Alex Capitan. And so I have a lot of sources. I didn't I necessarily say. I didn't necessarily quote all of them, but I think all of these do a really good job at covering the topic. So I wanted to include some of the articles that I referenced mm-hmm. in my research just to kind of get a general understanding of how to form this topic or the story, but didn't necessarily directly quote. So there's a lot there, a lot of interesting reading, just like Rachel has. So do with do with it what you will. <laughs> gotcha. So the word queer has quite a messy history. It holds a lot of pain for a lot of people, and its resurgence as a word has left a lot of members of the LGBTQ community uneasy, disheartened, and even angered. But we use it a lot on this podcast, and to describe our podcast, you know, an introductory queer history podcast. We use it a lot when talking about the LGBTQ community in general, so I want listeners to know how we've come to the decision to use that word specifically, and maybe why others use that word over different words. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk us through some definitions of the word, the timeline, and sort of the evolution of the word, and then finish by touching on its reclamation. Okay. Let's start with some official definitions from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary for the word queer, as it can be used as an adjective, a noun, and even a verb. Ooh, covering all the bases. All we of the bases. That. Of we love it. Yeah, queer is very, it's, she's got a lot of uses. <laughs> so, queer as an adjective, the first way it's used is differing in some way from what is usual or normal, meaning unconventional, eccentric, strange, or odd. And so, this is kind of the older usage of this term, which we'll talk about in a second. So, just keep that in mind. Mm hmm. The second way that it can be used as an adjective is where we really want to focus in on, and it has a few different meanings surrounding this one concept, but of relating to or characterized by sexual or romantic attraction to members of one's own sex, or of relating to or characterized by sexual or romantic attraction that is not limited to people of a particular gender identity or sexual expression, or of relating to or characterized by being anything other than heterosexual, being outside the gender binary, and to being trans. So this is kind of where sexuality and gender identity comes Mm -hmm. in. It really describes this outside of what has been deemed, you know, the, the standard of society. Right. The third use of the word queer as an adjective is chiefly British, old-fashioned, meaning questionable, suspicious, sick, or unwell. So kind of another weird old usage of the word. Also, okay, okay, (laughs) never mind. That was a dumb moment that I had my brain stopped working. Please continue on. I was going to say something so stupid. That's that's how they use it in the UK. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, first I was going to be like, why did they do British people so dirty like that? Like, why did why did they just, who was using that to describe British, British people, people exclusively? Oh boy. Okay. 
the, okay, I'm there. Sorry. No, it's the chiefly it's the, British it's the, old fashioned. Yes, it's the meaning. dictionary entry. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Okay, and then the word queer can be used as a noun, which just straight up refers to people outside of the heterosexual and cisgender identities. That's plain and simple. It is right. what it, what it is. And then there's the verb queer, which I don't really see much outside of more academic settings. And the few definitions that they have for this verb are, one, to consider or interpret something from a perspective that rejects traditional categories of gender and sexuality. To apply ideas from queer theory to something. So something is queered, right? His art is queered. And then the second definition is to make or modify something in a way that reflects one's rejection of gender and sexuality norms. So the act of queering something. But these two verbs really aren't used in a colloquial sense. They really are in a more traditionally academic setting. Mm -hmm. A lot of book titles, I feel too, or journal titles, like you were saying, I think there's a book called Queering the Margins, like, like, it's used in in that in that sense. Right. Yeah, exactly. Now, let's get into the actual history of the word, which, like many queer things, doesn't necessarily have a widely accepted consensus for its origins. So I have a few kind of baseline examples. Mm hmm. Sort of the earliest knowledge we have of the word queer existing is in the 15th to 16th centuries across the pond in the UK, and the word exists as the adjective form meaning strange or odd or peculiar in appearance of character. So in the flighting of Dunbar and Kennedy, which is an energetic poetic duel of verbal abuse between two poets, and it's written down by a Scottish poet circa 1492, it's quoted, of Edinburgh, the boys as bees outthrow and cry out, hey, here comes our own queer clerk. Okay, so uh, to, to clarify, mm-hmm. this was a written down, this was like a transcribed verbal altercation of poets? Yeah, so a flighting is like a traditionally, so there's this one video and the way that they describe it is like a rap battle almost, but in okay. traditional verse. So it's like okay. these two poets sparring basically with oh. words in like limericks. Oh, that's definitely some some poor, unfortunate high school theater kid has to has had to definitely do that. Probably in, fl- in some kind of yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. Sure, okay, sure, sure. Interesting. Very sure. interesting. And then the modern word queer is also considered to have derived from the Middle Irish word, and I'm going to take my best guess for pronunciation because <laughs> I don't know Middle Irish, quar, meaning bent or curved as in a sword or a weapon, or potentially the 16th century German word, another guess because I don't speak mm-hmm. 16th century German, <laughs> quare meaning crosswise or slanting. So both of these words could, I mean, maybe they are pronounced queer in the way that they're spelled. They seem related to shape. Right. It's anything that's not a straight line, though. So it has that kind of fluid, curved appearance to it. Gotcha. In the 17th and 18th centuries, various English expressions pop up, including there's nout so queer as folk, meaning nothing is as strange as people's behavior, queer bub, meaning bad liquor, and shove the queer, meaning to pass counterfeit money. 
that was, I was afraid that was going to be like, like a inciting crime. a hate crime. <laughs> I mean, none of them are like good phrases. None of them are positive phrases using the word queer. Right. But they have nothing to do with a person's sexuality whatsoever. Right. Right. I do kind of like the first one though. There's not so queer as folk. Yeah. It just has a, it has a ring to it. Absolutely. And in 1865, Lewis Carroll's novel, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, is published. And in this story, we get the quote, how queer it seems, Alice said to herself, to be going messages for a rabbit. So over 300 years later from the words general genesis, we're still seeing this like commonplace word describe a strange or peculiar occurrence. Mm -hmm. Really, it's nothing more than just something different. But then in 1894... About 30 years later, we have the first written record of the word queer being used as a pejorative, meaning in a derogatory way. By now, the word has gained traction to refer to sexual deviance, particularly with men who were thought to have engaged in homosexual acts. So there's this direct evolution, this direct link between the concept of a general other and then being placed specifically onto sexual deviance, quote unquote, as in gay men and trans folks who at the time were often grossly seen as people playing dress up and lying. So they're, they're grouped into, mm-hmm. into this sexual deviance. So this early record of the word being used derogatorily, now traveling back and tapping into our knowledge from episode four, mm-hmm. is in a letter written by the Marquis of Queensbury, accusing Oscar Wilde of sleeping with his son. So the letter appears in the lengthy court case against Wilde, in which the Marquis calls him and other gay men snob queers, which really helps to lay the foundation of the slur. Sorry, I know that that's a very, that's a, that's a negative, absolutely negative connotation. But I think when we talk about reclaiming things, that just sounds like something that would, it just sounds like a fun statement as a person who would not be affected by that slur mm-hmm. like i i'm, I'm acknowledging snob. that but like saying snob queers just feels if it, it feels right to me it feels it like does. it describes like, me like and, and and again i would i would not be i would not be targeted by with right. with those words but like it just feels i don't know it feels right <laughs> it feels right now but back yeah, then yeah yeah, yeah big, no big back deal. then boo no yeah right <laughs> And so as we travel into the 20th century, the word queer is still being used to describe a general strangeness or difference. But by 1920, there's a major uptick in the usage of the word to describe gay men, along with the word fairy, when it becomes widely known in the United States. Americans hear about this word and they like off to the races. They are just like, here we go. So American newspapers quickly pick up the terms and from there then the American public. But mainly the word fairy is used to refer to men that were effeminate or flamboyant, which was the generally accepted stereotype of what a gay man was. Right. Queer, on the other hand, has some acceptance within the gay community, but it's used by more masculine gay men who didn't want to quote unquote lose their manliness by identifying as a fairy. So fairy was not used in an exclusively pejorative way? Like people would identify that way? Yes and no. Okay. Or I should say no and yes. It was exclusively used in a pejorative way 
in right. the outside, but okay. inside the community, there okay. is a little bit of a reclamation with that word anyway, being like, well, that's sure. what we're called. We're fairies. So sure. that's who I am. But then, right. you know, we have mask and we have femme. Those are right. You know, the binary, I, right. right. So right. The Similar, femme, similarly, maybe to like the way people might refer to themselves or, or other people within the gay community is like twinks. Right. Yeah. 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 Am it's I like interpreting a, that similarly? Yeah. It's like a twink and then like a mask person, you know, right. someone okay. that's like more stereotypically what is, you know, generally accepted as like masculine, okay. manly. And so, you know, these these people that use queer truly are in the community, but they want to separate themselves because they don't want to mm-hmm. seem like an effeminate man. Right, right. And so in the gay subcultures and communities, there's this very clear distinction of queer versus fairy, although the straight cis public does not have these okay. distinctions. So it's like, if you're gay, you're, you're a fairy or whatever, right. or you're queer. But in the gay community, there is a very clear distinction. Okay. In contrast to the terms used within the subculture, medical practitioners and police officers tended to use medicalized or pathological terms like invert, pervert, degenerate, and homosexual. And these terms describe conditions and illnesses rather than identities and beings. But then... As the understanding and conceptualization of a sexual binary become mainstream and more widely known between the 1930s and 1950s, cough, cough, episode two with Alfred Kinsey, (laughs) the concept of a quote-unquote homosexual identity is really formed in the U.S., right? Men are no longer seen as men who are sexually deviant, and it's becoming they're now seen as these effeminate, lesser-than type of people, which a lot of gay men don't want to identify with so it Mm -hmm. is really becoming this identity and this like it's not just men who are a little off and sexually deviant it's like now it's a full fully realized identity of a person right right and it's a label too so like your identity may be similar to what the labels are describing but a label in and of itself carries a perception it carries a stereotype so people may not want to identify with that label exactly And so the term or identity queer has a sharp decline and becomes a less acceptable identity within the subculture. So as soon as this like identity becomes fully realized and people start using queer more in relation to like a queer identity, these Mm -hmm. mask men that are identifying as queer are like, oh, no longer. Like we don't, we don't want like a queer identity. We just happen to be men, you know? Right. So. And like the word queer was adopted by men to distance themselves from flamboyant men, the word gay is then adopted in the subculture to distance themselves from the now general group of the word queer. So it was like invert was the main word, and then it was like homophile, and then it was queer, and now it's gay. And so it's like they're there's always this evolution of this label of what people are and who, what they want to consider themselves as. Right. It's entirely as a means of asserting their normative status and rejecting any associations with effeminacy, which is just steeped in misogyny, just to be clear. So a lot of these men that are (laughs) like, we don't want to be effeminate. It's like you, because you see women as like a lesser than still. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of layers to this concept, but just, just know that there is, (laughs) there is like a hatred of women in there. Yeah. There's certainly like levels of privilege within subcultures too. So like having the privilege to pass and decide almost what, 
not decide is not the right word of like what your label would be, but like having the privilege to pass or not identify with some of those more effeminate characteristics, like that puts you at a different level than other folks within the same community. And then they're, they get looked down upon and they get further marginalized. Like there are the elements just going down the list. They're just all contained within there. Right, right, right. So post-World War II, we see a clear generational divide in the U.S. between younger and older gay men. The idea of a gay identity is becoming widely adopted in the community, and the younger gay men who identify as gay now basically chastise older gay men who still use the identifier queer. Historian George Chauncey explains this shift when he writes, quote, In calling themselves gay, a new generation of men insisted on the right to name themselves, to claim their status as men, and to reject the effeminate styles of the older generation. Younger men found it easier to forget the origins of gay in the campy banter of the very queens whom they wished to reject, end quote. And I think that's pretty standard, younger generations naming themselves almost in an act of defiance from their older counterparts. It's like, get with the mm. times. Like, this is who we are now. Right. This is what we are. It's like, there's always a modernization of subcultures and movements and groups. And so this is just kind of what's happening. Right. At this time too, though, The word gay was generally being used as an umbrella term, including women, trans people, and non-binary people as well. So it really is a word that is being used as an overarching label, although not everybody in the community agrees with this. But by the 1960s, like with queer, we see a shift in its meanings and its origins to the term gay, which Mm -hmm. those origins are just as messy, but originally mean carefree and joyous, as in a gay bachelor, meaning not attached to anyone, uninhibited, not describing sexuality, to then being infused with a meaning of sexuality and being used as a label by men who, you know, were sexually and or romantically attracted to other men, to then being twisted into a pejorative against gay men. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing the same cycle, you know, it's like, right. there's a term that means one thing, then it's claimed by this community, and then right. it's being twisted and it's using it's being used, used against, against them. them. Right. And... When you and I were growing up, and especially something I heard from my parents is that excuse of like, well, when I was a kid, gay meant happy or funny or different. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we know or or knew the derogatory version of the word that became mainstream against the community that had adopted it as its own. And so right. gay becomes the word too that is used as a tool of oppression or a weapon against non-heterosexual people. And then in turn becomes the mainstream term for like weird or different, such as in like, that's so gay, which was really right. big in the 90s and 2000s. Yeah. So skipping ahead about two decades, in the 1980s, we have the start of the AIDS epidemic. Around the same time, we have the emergence of queer core a cultural-slash-social movement that began as an offshoot of the punk subculture and a music genre that comes from punk rock. And it's characterized by its discontent with society in general, and specifically society's disapproval of the LGBTQ community. Mm. I'd love to dive deeper into queer core more in depth yeah. in another episode, but as the AIDS epidemic is happening, queer core hits the scene. Groups of people, as an act of anarchy and resistance, 
decide that it's time to reclaim the word queer as a neutral or positive self-identifier by LGBT people, especially in the face of a threatening U.S. government. Protests begin happening across the nation, with, you know, protesters shouting the phrase, we're here, we're queer, we will not live in fear. And so activists begin joining forces and creating organizations in opposition to the lack of government response and action during the AIDS epidemic, such as the organization Queer Nation, who circulated an anonymous flyer at the New York Gay Pride Parade in June 1990 titled, Queers Read This. Inside the flyer, it reads, quote, Ah, do we really have to use that word? It's trouble. Every gay person has his or her own take on it. For some, it means strange and eccentric and kind of mysterious. And for others, queer conjures up those awful memories of adolescent suffering. Well, yes, gay is great. It has its place. But when a lot of lesbians and gay men wake up in the morning, we feel angry and disgusted, not gay. So we've chosen to call ourselves queer. Using queer is a way of reminding us how we are perceived by the rest of the world. It's a way of telling ourselves we don't have to be witty and charming people who keep our lives discreet and marginalized. We use queer as gay men loving lesbians and lesbians loving being queer. Queer, unlike gay, doesn't mean male. So the shift from gay back to queer is originally associated with resistance and political activism, and even taken a step further when a large amount of people of color reclaim queer in response to the white gay community shift towards liberal conservatism, meaning conservative policies with liberal stances. This new queer movement rejects causes viewed as assimilationist, such as marriage, military inclusion, and adoption, which was all in order to obtain straight privilege rather than challenge its power. And then throughout the 90s and into the 2000s, we see even more of a battle between the quote-unquote radical term queer and its more widely accepted terms of gay, lesbian, bisexual, trans. Mm -hmm. And in 1999, the UK version, and in 2000, the American version of Queer as Folk premieres, and for the first time, the term queer is getting mainstream attention and representation. A few years later, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy is released, which then runs for about 100 episodes, wow. also garnering a lot of attention in this like mainstream media. And then throughout the 2000s and the 2010s, there's even more of an expansion of the LGBT community, I would say, especially during the peak of like Tumblr, where mm -hmm. non-heterosexual identities begin to get more attention and exposure. And a lot of people in our generation and the generation above us are being given words to express ourselves and how we feel. The acronym LGBT, which by this time is incredibly mainstream, begins to add even more letters, including the Q, mm -hmm. which from my experience started out meaning questioning and then transitioned more firmly into queer. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of period brings us into the present. The understanding of sexualities and gender identities are ever expanding and the community does its best to keep up. Even while I was writing that sentence, I was trying to think of if I should write the LGBT community or LGBTQ plus mm -hmm. or LGBTQIA plus or LGBTQIA2 plus community because there really are so many identities and ways to represent the community. And so 
this acronym has plenty of critics who argue that no acronym will ever encompass the entirety of the community and its complexities and all of its identities and everyone that's outside of the heterosexual cisgender circle. And this is really where we get to the heart of our portion of why we use the word queer. And that's because the term queer to us is more general and encompasses everybody that is non-heterosexual and non-cisgender. Queer is a looser term that can mean to some people that they fit into this community without having to label themselves. It's inclusive. It's a house that harbors anyone outside of what society has deemed the standard. Queer defies categorization, something that has time and time again unjustly harmed the community at large. And just like with the men post-World War II, there's a current generational divide when it comes to the word queer. Many members of the older queer community, and even just older generations in general, find the word queer dirty or as a slur because of the context it was used in when they were growing up. For many younger generations, it's a term of progress, a term of comfort and inclusivity to a much wider group, which then feels empowering. To wrap all of this up, language is never done evolving. It is constantly being updated and revised and changed. In your personal lives, it's incredibly important to listen to how a person wants to identify and then use those terms. We here at Historically Really Good Friends, use queer as an absolute term of respect and admiration. Our intention is never to offend someone, but rather to achieve the complete opposite. I'll leave everyone with a quote from the article, The Power of Reclaiming Controversial Terms from Dictionary.com. It's okay to feel differently about controversial words, but that doesn't mean we should hide them, avoid them, or ignore them altogether. Why? Because even though words can be the tools of oppression, when used by the oppressed, they can also hold immeasurable power. So why leave these harmful words in a place where they can wound, when we can pick them back up, dust them off, and find ways to reuse them in order to bring light to those who have been harmed? And that's my little introduction to the reclamation of the word queer. There's so much more out there, but I feel like this is a good starting point for our audience, a good jumping off point to kind of further discussions about this topic. Yeah, absolutely. And I do kind of just want to leave it with that last quote that you said too, because I think that's what we can reflect on because there's not going to be a right or wrong answer and there's not going to be one collective agreement. No, there it's just never kind will of going to be. be whatever feels right for you and we hope that coming to this podcast every week and us using the words that we do in the way that we do feels comfortable and and inclusive and equitable to our listeners. Absolutely. So thank you for listening and coming on this journey with us to learn about rainbow washing and the reclamation of the word queer. Yes, I'm so glad we've done this. Maybe a few weeks too late, but hey, you're here now. So. Better late than never, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to episode 17 of Historically Really Good Friends, where we talked about pride. This is your weekly reminder that acknowledging the queerness of our history makes even buying performatively marketed toiletries a little bit more fun. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. 
And to see photos from this week's episode, make sure to check out our Instagram at Historically Reeling. And don't forget to send us your personal stories at historicallyreallygoodfriends at gmail.com. We hope to see you again next week. Happy Happy Pride Pride and and goodbye. goodbye.